also something uh, out of podcast something i've noticed you do a lot and i don't know if you're doing it on purpose you chuckle at everything i say i'm not that funny dude i it's just a i guess it's a nervous tick it's it happens a lot it does i mean i notice it in the editing too <laughs> uh, i'm just a little chuck i'm a little chuckling boy oh well, you're something <laughs> not little anyways i'm chuckle charles Ew. I'm gonna come at you with a little goose down feather and make you laugh. Ew. No. A single goose down feather is so uncomforting. And welcome back to another episode of Who is My Doctor? Who is my doctor? Who is indeed. I'm your host, Zach, and I know a lot about Doctor Who. And I'm also your host, Cassie, and I don't know a lot about Doctor Who. And today uh, we're coming back from a long break of not recording. It's Longer than I realized, actually. We, my notes say the 23rd of November of last year. Yeah, uh, for you guys, there's not been really any break in time, but we took uh, some time off for the holidays, and then our lives were busy, and people got sick, and so it's just we haven't been able to sit down and record for like a month and a half. People got sick. Me. I was sick for the entire month of December, (laughs) which is not an exaggeration. Fair. Well, it's also I work in a pharmacy, so when I say people, I also mean people we don't know. Like, it's just been really busy at work. Wow. Uh, so just one of those, like, it's just been, it's a really hectic time around the holidays. Riveting content. Riveting content. <laughs> what everyone hears, it's it's a show about doctors. People want to hear about my medicine, <laughs> my, my medicinal job. Your fake doctorship. <laughs> but today we're looking at season two, episode seven, The Idiot's Lantern. Mm-hmm. Do you know what The Idiot's Lantern is? means Cassie not a fucking clue mate so the idiot's lantern is a uh, slang term for the television oh you've probably heard people refer to it as the idiot box I have heard yeah. the idiot box yeah, the, so wasn't the, there a Spongebob episode called the idiot box uh, probably I mean there's been so many there's probably one that's used every word in the English language at this imagination. point imagination yeah uh, that's the idiot box oh okay yeah right probably that's that episode look it up future Zach <laughs> Editing Zach, put in the sound clip. Imagination. It's that episode. I know it is. Yes, you are correct. Uh, There is a SpongeBob episode, uh, the one where they're in the box. The Idiot's Lantern is uh, a slang term for television. That's so infuriating because I know that in the UK they refer to flashlights as torches. Mm -hmm. And so lantern in my head is another term for torch, lantern, flashlight, not TV. Well, I mean, in a way, especially when you think about when TVs first came out, they were small and they shone light at you. So yeah, but were... you don't carry a TV around as a source of light. Yeah, I think that's what makes, that's why it's an idiot's lantern is because you're you staring imagine, into it. Could you imagine carrying a small portable television around like a dungeon? <laughs> Just streaming the office at all points of the day. Oh, man. But speaking of televisions, uh, let's uh, take our first little question for the Cassie Profassi today. It's going to have nothing to do with Freddy Krueger. <laughs> uh, for those of you just tuning in, the Cassie Profassi is where I make Cassie guess stuff that's going to happen in the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For those of you also keeping track, uh, I was doing really well for a very long time, and now I'm not. 
You're doing. You're above average right now. You're 19 out of 36 is over half. <sighs> yeah, but it doesn't feel any better because a couple of those were gimmies. <laughs> well, I mean, there are some. I do know that some of some of the people that listen to us have agreed with me and think that I've been robbed at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate each and every one of you handful of people that side with me in this endeavor <laughs> well let's see how people feel about these questions uh these were a little tougher for me to come up with uh just because this episode i, I didn't want to give any away and a lot of the stuff in it feels a little difficult to make you guess like even one of them i'm a little like i don't expect you to get it but if you do great but it's one of the few things i could come up with as an option for you to guess so so, as I said, speaking of television, uh, it's called The Idiot's Lantern because the TV is attacking people in this episode. Oh, cool. Uh, and the way you can tell if the TV has attacked someone is that there is something missing about them. Can you guess what it is that the TV takes? Eyes? It's their eyes. Well, you watch a TV. And so that makes the most sense if this is having to do with images and light emanating from a television box Mm -hmm. that that would affect your eyeballs because i my original thought just based off of how this show works is that people's eyes wouldn't be missing but there would be like tv static in their eye like like where their eyes are like in their okay pupils corny does no pupils that's the word (laughs) so i'm gonna go off of that knee-jerk reaction because i've also learned when i overthink it i get it very wrong that is true you you've talked yourself out of many correct guesses so it's 2024 baby i'm going with the first thing that comes to my little head okay so you think uh, the tv takes their eyes it's gonna be something far stupider <laughs> than that i know it the, t- the tv took my butt cassie the tv took my butt <laughs> Zach, Zach, I can't find my hands. I can't sit down and watch the TV without having my butt. I can't change the channel. The TV has my hands. The TV took my belly button? I don't... I mean, it's not a problem. It just feels kind of weird. What was that? Like, Kyle XY? Yeah. I just remember that poster so big in my mall's food court. (laughs) Which is not an awesome place to see somebody without a belly button. Because the visual of somebody with an exposed tummy where I'm eating food. (laughs) (laughs) There's just something about it that was so off-putting. But it burned itself in my memory. It was right by the hot dog on a stick. (laughs) A place I frequented a lot because I was angry that it wasn't a wiener schnitzel. (laughs) And the other uh, question for the Cassie Profassi today. Uh, This episode takes place in 1953. Ooh. On a very important, during a very important event in Britain's history. Oh my god. Uh, can you take a guess what that event might be in 1953? Absolutely not. I took AP European history. Do you know when AP European history stops? Uh, probably, the, probably right at World War II. Yeah, basically. Because then that's when it transfers over to AP US history <laughs> where the one of the largest things to happen in European history then the focus turns on to America's response. Mm. Uh fuck, what happened in the 50s in Britain? 
Does it have to do with the royal family? It could. Can I ask when Princess Diana was... Uh, Princess Diana was in, died in the 90s. In the 90s. Okay, so she she wasn't made Princess Diana until the yeah, no, 70s, the, uh, right? No, I, and you know, just to be fair, I will tell you, it does involve the royal family. Okay, okay. Because I know the queen was a young person in the 30s and 40s, so I feel like it has to do something with the queen. Okay. Either... Coming into office, that's not the term you use. No, uh, for queen, it would be coronation. Okay. I, I'm i going with that. That's when the queen is coronated. The coronation of Queen Elizabeth. Thank you, yes. Aha! Man, British people are going to hear that and immediately tune out of the podcast. You are the one that did it. I'm being <laughs> respectful this time. <laughs> Governor. Well, let's find out uh, if the TV takes people's eyes... And if the queen is being coronated in the idiot's lantern. Yeah, idiot lantern. I was writing in my notes. (laughs) We'll be right back after these message. These message? This episode of Who Is My Doctor is brought to you by Magpie's Portable Televisions. Hey folks, do you want to watch TV wherever you go? What's that? You already can do that on your phone? Well, this thing is not a phone. Can't call anyone. Can't text. It doesn't even get podcasts. It's just a TV. Watch your favorite shows. Or your least favorite shows. Or... I don't know, watch Ratatouille again. That's a good movie. The truth is, I don't care what you do with it as long as you buy it and support this stupid thing we do every week. Magpie's Portable Televisions. It's not a phone. And we are back from the Idiot's Lantern. Hooray. Hungry. Hungry. <laughs> uh, this one holds Steve. up a bit more than I remember it holding up. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just this one's always, I always forget this one. And I think it's because the climax kind of falls flat, but it holds up. Like I, I, I it's one of those that uh, I, I'm certainly happy when I return to it. And I'm like, all oh, right, this one is actually pretty good. I mean, I wasn't dissatisfied yeah. with it. So what did uh, what did you think? I don't know because in past episodes we do have some very conflicting tenant and doctor being a feminist and then also being a little sexist. Yeah, this is one of the ones where it was like, oh, cool. He is he's outsmarting the the male machismo a little bit. Yeah, which I I do appreciate. I do think it's funny that this is now another episode that if something happens to Rose and she is incapacitated, there is another substitute companion that comes in. (laughs) Even if they don't stick around, the doctor always has some kind of help. Yeah, uh, in this case, it was uh, Tommy and also to a lesser extent, Detective Inspector Bishop. (laughs) Uh, Nah, the uh, Detective Inspector. I can't help thinking. Detective Inspector, you're not exactly doing much detective inspecting. 
Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't think he did a lot. I don't yeah. think it counts. Yeah, no, I think he was more about just, like, providing him a sense of legitimacy. There is, I do really enjoy that the companion isn't just, like, the doctor's friend. They are, like, the doctor's emotional anchor. <laughs> I thought you were going to say emotional support. Well, what I mean by that is, like, when, as soon as Rose in this episode gets has her, her face taken away, the doctor is... Furious. I will say that fury reminded me a lot of Eccleston's doctor. Yeah, that, it's a really nice like through line of these two doctors. Yes, because Tennant's doctor feels very tongue in cheek, very like scampy. Like, <laughs> I'm just a mischievous, lovable little lad. I'm just a little guy. No, those are Daleks. You know better. <laughs> But in that moment, I I saw I saw that same like theory that Eccleston had throughout his entire run as a doctor. Just a very deep seated, very angry about the circumstance that he's found himself in mm-hmm. or that he caused. And to a lesser extent, the doctor doesn't cause Rose to have her face taken from her. Because she willingly stays behind, and he knows that he's leaving her behind in in the pursuit of... The doctor leaves Rose behind in, in pursuit of the investigation, which they both know, like, okay, cool. They're, they're parting ways for right now, but they will meet back up at a later time. Yeah. Because Rose is actively participating in the investigation. Yes. And does a very good job at going from one point to another and learning more without the doctor there she's more independent yeah and plays a much larger role than just being the complementary character yeah well it's the all, there's also a really nice contrast if you can see the different the different attitudes that rose and the doctor take based on their emotional states mm-hmm. like when rose shows up at magpie she shows up like hi i'm here to buy a TV set, and I'm just, like, she just, she plays it very, like, coy and cutesy. Uh, cutesy may not be the right word, but she, she's she's definitely, like, playing up a character a little bit. Her deception roles are very high. Yeah. And that's because that's probably how the Doctor would act, too, you know, with Rose around. But as soon as Rose is gone, the Doctor's way of getting into Magpies is to smash in the window of the door so he can open it from the other side. <laughs> Yeah. And then he comes in and he starts slamming his hand down on the, like, come give me attention button. Can you hear that? Come on and talk to me! It's It's a bell, but yes. <laughs> come give me attention bell. We are we are getting a little bit ahead of the game here. We're getting about halfway through the story, so let's, uh-huh. let's uh, loop back up to the top here. Let's go back in time slightly. Uh, and back to when Magpie was... Seems to have a problem with his... He's having a problem with his finances. He's 200 pounds overdrawn. And then the wire shows up behind now, him. I, my question is, and it doesn't ever really get it answered in the episode, is where the fuck does the wire come from? Uh, they are they are an alien that was... Uh, Clearly, but why... Why here? Why now? Uh, so basically the idea was that they they had been more or less sentenced to execution by their people which robbed them of physical form and their lack of physical form in seeking a new place found earth and it's uh, and the electrical signals are going through the air so the wire is now a being made of electricity and is just sort of 
found its way to Earth in trying to escape its execution. Okay. I I suppose that... Did that get revealed during the awkward climax? Uh, Ooh, how unfortunate. Awkward climax. They sort of Yipes. they sort of break it out piecemeal. Okay. Like the, like, the wire says that her species robbed her of her physical form. The doctor says that the wire that the wire came to Earth because it likes to uh, gorge itself on electrical signals, specifically the electrical impulses of the brain. Mm, yummy. So why doesn't it just take the brain then? Why did, why is it taking the face? Uh, so it's taking the faces because that's basically it's cha- it's using the face to channel through the brain. Like you're it, part of the signals that it feeds on is like what you see, what you smell, what you hear, what you taste. Like it's taking all of those signals that go to the brain. It's taking the five senses. Basically, yeah. Um, nom, nom, nom. That's also why the only, like, electrical impulse that has left is to clench and unclench its hand. Which also, the sound that they used for that made me incredibly <laughs> uncomfortable. Yeah, it's like, uh, I think it's like a, it sounds like leather creaking. It, ugh, it was the kind of sound that made my spine hurt. Yeah. But the, uh, the wire, when it first pops into the TV, takes the, the form... Uh, of the woman that was on TV just before Magpie was, just before the pro- programming ended for the evening, uh, while Magpie was doing his budgeting. Um, something that I did enjoy quite a bit about having The Wire appear as this woman in the television is it was, it was giving Twilight Zone. Yeah, it very, it, well, it's, it, it actually is, uh, at the beginning when you hear her say, are you sitting comfortably? That's the second time we've heard someone say that. Uh, the doctor said it at the beginning of the school reunion episode. Are we sitting comfortably? Uh, that is a reference to an old TV show that used to like read bedtime stories to children. Interesting. And it would start before she would read the story. The woman on TV would go, "Are you sitting comfortably?" Um, and so there's they're sort of an echo of uh, you know these writers grew up watching this kid show. Okay. And they're putting it back into this show, uh, which is kind of cute. But even. Even with that, it it was the fact that this did feel more horror-centric, just because the visual of a person without a face yeah. is unsettling. And that was only heightened by the overuse, in my opinion, of Dutch angles the entire time. <laughs> there there is- was not a single flat angle, nothing that ever truly was like, sitting still this entire episode. Well, there were some at the beginning. They drifted into the Dutch angles, especially in the middle. Well, uh, when, when it, they, it happened the first time, or the, the time that I really took note of it, uh, when they were in the house, mm-hmm. after the grandmother had said that TVs are bad because they, quote, I heard they rot your brains, rot them into soup, and your brain comes pouring out of your ears. That's what television does. Which I don't know about you, but that was also something that my parents and my family always said is don't sit too close to the TV. You'll rot your eyes. (laughs) So I did think it was a bit odd that she was the person in the family to have gotten her face removed Mm -hmm. when she was not pro TV. Well, I think it's also that because she's the grandma, everyone else would be out doing things. And so she was... The most it, likely to be left alone with it. But if she was so against the television, I don't feel like she would have watched it. Yeah, it's hard to say. Because uh, also the dad makes a statement that they will not get a TV until after the coronation. 
Uh, he says we'll get one for the coronation. Okay, I heard after. Yeah. Speaking of the coronation, though, you were correct. It was the coronation of Queen Elizabeth II. <laughs> Did they use actual footage from that? Yes. Splendid. <laughs> I mean, it's on the BBC, and the BBC would own all that footage, so I'm not it, surprised. It makes sense why they would. It, yeah. it would make no sense for them to go out of their way to do something different yeah. when that footage exists. Yeah, for sure. And especially in the time period, you don't need it. to. It's on a TV screen. It should look like that. And the also, year is 1953. <laughs> it should look exactly like that. <laughs> We've also brought up uh, the, uh, the, the, the TV took their faces and I will say that while I you was got, half right, yeah, I, I still I'm I'm going to give you the point for it uh, Thank because you. you said their eyes were taken and their eyes are taken. Just so was their mouth and nose and and maybe ears. I wasn't paying attention if their ears were taken or not. I also wasn't pay- if they if if the wire was taking people's senses. That would be accurate. Why it would take ears, but yeah. I also don't care enough to look up a picture. It is. You you are right though. There, it's it's very unsettling, mainly because it's so smooth. And I think that's just because I I at first thought that it was some kind of mask. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was. I think it's just Photoshop. Yeah, I believe it's CG. Just but it is the blur effect over and over again. Well, what's I think part of what makes it unsettling is that because it's so smooth, there are no wrinkles on it. So there's and you know even when you're not like. You know, you're not, even when you're not older, your face still has general like wrinkles around your mouth, around your eyes, just because you need that your body needs those to move those parts of your body. Yeah. So it just it really seems to imply that it's like, yes, their eyes, nose and mouth have been taken, but so have like the ability to move anything underneath them at all. So it's like their skull got like smoothed out underneath it. There were slight peaks and valleys where noses would be. Yeah. I did catch that. Yeah, especially if someone was facing the side, I think the smoothing. <laughs> but it's, it's icky. Yeah. Like it's it, icky and I hated it. Yeah, it's just, it's one of those where it's like, even if it's, even if that's not intent, even if that's not the intended effect, uh, and there's nothing, there's nothing outright saying that like they've done something to the bones of their face, you still kind of feel it. It. It falls into Slenderman category. Yes. Slenderman is not on on written paper, not scary. It is a being that doesn't have a face and is very tall and lanky. Yeah. That is fine. But for whatever reason, when you see it executed, it's so incredibly unsettling because your brain naturally wants to make faces out of anything. It likes to recognize shapes and patterns and face shapes mm-hmm. with eyes, nose, mouth, all of those facets, your brain loves to plug into something that it doesn't immediately recognize. So when you have something as recognizable as a head that doesn't so much as have a nose, your brain freaks out because it doesn't know like what's going on. Yeah. And so even though it's not graphic, it's not horrible in any way, yeah. Your brain the entire episode, or at least mine the entire episode, was just going, I can't figure it out. <laughs> and then with the, like, whatever sound for the knuckles, it was very over my, it was very overstimulating for me. Brain was not happy yeah, they took, in the, those moments. All these people had their brain signals taken and they were given to you. Oh, jeez. Yes. I'm the wire, Zach. I didn't know <laughs> you, if you knew that. You're certainly wired. <laughs> yes. 
the faces are taken, and as we established, uh, there's a, a family in this episode, uh, and the central figurehead is... The father is a huge piece of shit. Yeah, Mr. Cannoli. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Cannoli. Uh, it is uh, Tommy Connolly, Rita Connolly, and their father, Eddie. Uh, sorry, Rita's the mom, and then Eddie Connolly is the father. Mm, it's pronounced Cannoli. Cannoli. Thank you. Sorry. I'm not, I'm not brushed up on my Italian. Um, and they, they, I think they do a, a decent job of really making the father seem like a scumbag, but for reasons that are not valid, but authentic where it's he's very much about his like reputation he seems to care a lot about appearances mm-hmm. he he has a very like nuclear family idea of i am the father i am the head of the household so what i say goes he craves other people's respect yes too. yes so not only does he need validation from others and confirmation that he's He's a good man. He is the man. Yes. He fought in the war. Everybody listen to him because he's the man. Yeah. I can imagine that it's the same there as it is in America when you have people that are soldiers that have come back from war and especially during that time. Mm-hmm. It was way more male-centric and a woman's place is in the house. Mostly because she could stay home. Because she didn't need to work. Because you could live off of a single income and <laughs> economics suck. Anyways. Yeah, I was going to say, that's the only real weird, really weird part where he's like ragging on him for saying that the house, housework is the wife's job. Because technically speaking, like he has a job and her job was to do the housework because that was sort of like the trade-off. Yeah. Like she does, she doesn't have a job. So her job is taking care of the house. But he also took it to such an extent where it's like, this is beneath me. This is a woman's job. And I'm like that. And so I'm like, I am of two minds of it. Where like, it is sort of her job, but it's her job, not just the thing all women must do. Yeah. Yeah. So it's. Especially at that point, because their child is older at that point, her job isn't necessarily to take care of her child, her house, her, her mom. Yeah. It's just a whole other feminist tangent. I do like the justification, though, of who's being coronated. The queen. The queen's a woman. Would you make the queen do housework? Yeah, that that and it was it was well well performed by both David and um, the other actor is a man by the name of Jamie Foreman. Uh, they both do a very. I mean, Jamie Foreman really plays Eddie Connolly like he is just a big baby. You said Uncle Vernon, and I couldn't shake that. Yeah, it, yeah, he 100% feels like it's Uncle Vernon from Harry Potter. It's just a very man, man. And not man, man, like, you know, crush a beer on my forehead. I'm a manly man. But just the type of man that makes women like me go, ugh. Well, there's, there's also a point where it it, it implies he's intending to beat his son. Oh, you know what they say about them. Eddie, you want to beat that out of him? <laughs> That's exactly what I'm going to do. <laughs> oh, yeah. He very clearly doesn't like his son. But I, I do like that they make Tommy very specifically like, you fought the war to defend 
to defend people and to help. Yeah. And to make sure... You fought fascism. Yeah, you fought fascism so that way people like me could have a brighter future. But now you are just as bad as they are. Yeah. Which I, I love. I love it. When things have children that are smart and educated and that can yell at their parents and tell them that they are wrong. It just sucks knowing that Tommy grows up to be a boomer. I mean... (laughs) He could be one of the good ones. Yeah. There's a really fun moment uh, where Eddie's yelling out, I am talking! And the doctor's like, and I'm not listening! Not Tommy, Eddie. Sorry, Eddie. He's like, and I'm not listening! I wrote down that Eddie and the doctor fighting is like two dogs barking (laughs) at each other. Two big dogs, specifically. Oh, I I was getting big chihuahua energy. Oh, really? Yeah. From from Eddie or from the doctor or both? Yes. It's a chihuahua and a pug and a slap fight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's all that is, is it's all bark, no bite. I mean, I'm not discrediting getting bit by a chihuahua. Them fuckers hurt. Yeah. But it, it was more the fact that it wasn't even like a pissing contest. It was all just, I'm going to out loud you. <laughs> I'm going to out loud you. Yeah. Yeah, uh, as they're investigating the Connolly's house, uh, they find the grandmother has no face until some men in black show up and try to wheel her away. I never like that sort of, like, element of having somebody being, like, explicitly ripped from their home. Oh, it's deeply uncomfortable. It's just, it's so, so unsettling. Yeah. And, you know, it's a show. I don't need to stress about it too much. Am I very aware of the front door and where it is in our room right now? Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's also just like, because they're men in suits, there's something very clearly like, it's the government that comes and hoists you away. And so there's a part of it where it's just like, it feels so much bigger. Like if someone, if that were to happen, it's so much bigger than you that it that it's hard to like put your head around it. And it is upsetting knowing that Eddie is the person that has called and reported each and every faceless person seemingly on their block yeah it doesn't seem that anybody else really is being reported or if there is there's no mention of it there doesn't need to be mention of it well when they're when they're with the detective inspector they have a map in the back and and there's like a pinned around area where all these people have been uh sighted okay but the doctor does point out that there seems to be a uh an uptick on that street specifically okay which I will admit, I always took as because that's where Magpie sells his TVs the most. I hadn't put it together that that's because Eddie has called in more people than his uh, than the other neighbors. Well, because Rita even says like, "This is our family. Those are our friends. Yeah, Those are our the, neighbors." At the end of the episode, they have a big long table in the middle of the street to have dinner together. <laughs> Uh, you called it a who party. Yeah, the, the, it felt like the, the dinner at the end of How the Grinch Stole Christmas. I called it a 4th of July. <laughs> to be fair, the Union flag and the American flag are the same colors. So you can use red, white, and blue decorations for most national parties. I digress. I do like, though, that that discovery of Eddie having been the person to rat out the faceless on their street is the thing that tips Rita over the edge. 
and tells him to get the fuck out of not his house, not her house, but the house that is in her mother's name. Yeah. Get out of my mom's house. And then when she comes back in, the line, that was the sound of something ending. Fuck. <laughs> Ooh. It's just like, that was the sound of divorce. <laughs> that was the sound of, how old would Tommy be? Like 14, maybe? I think so, yeah. Like 14, f- 15. Yeah, of seemingly a 14-year marriage ending. Yeah. Well, they imply that Tommy's getting ready, is thinking about college. So he's pro- so he's definitely 16. in high school. Yeah, he's definitely in high school. Um, oh, yeah. And also, Tommy can just forget about college. He can get his hands dirty for once. God, I hate men. <laughs> I hate those types of men. You're okay. Thank you. You're welcome. I, I try. I do really love that my only note was just... Damn, Rita. (laughs) Damn. Because it's so heavily implied that it's their marriage that is the thing ending. Not a conversation. Like, not the party that they're... The coronation viewing that they're having. It it is so, so clear that it is their specific marriage ending. Yes. Yikeroonies. And then when... uh, So Rita shuts the door on Eddie and then... Uh, he's the do- just outside. The doctor takes Tommy uh, alongside, and, and he's just like, looks around like, what am I? Everyone's left me. What do I do? <laughs> I'd like to imagine that he's just sitting on the like the doorstep. <laughs> he's scratching the door like a dog wanting to go back in. Yeah. <laughs> Little chihuahua on the porch. Just barking and yelling because <laughs> he left it out in the cold. Yes, uh, but when, uh, when people confront... Uh, the wire back at magpies she for some reason it's i understand that it's just the way it's framed but there's something very silly about just her yelling hungry it was the fact that every face that was on the tv which i i did and did not enjoy that i like it as a like conceptually very intriguing in execution i did want them to all start singing a la the the busts in the graveyard. <laughs> Especially because you can kind of see where like the shadow tapers off. Well, it's also specifically because it is so clearly a covering that is only exposing their face. Because in execution, that is the only part that is being taken. Yeah. So it doesn't need to be any more than just a very clear sticker of everyone's face and only their face however when you have everybody very slowly mouthing help me except for rose who's just saying doctor yeah it just looked a little silly and was making me feel like they should just start singing (laughs) or at the very least harmonizing at the very uh, or they just start like trying to pitch uh brides to lord farquaad Yeah, it's there's there's something about that particular framing. I th- honestly think part of it is that the faces were so small in the in the screen. Well, I mean, that's how small her face is in the screen. Yeah, the wire just has the privilege of having a body as well. That's fair, or at least a at least a bust. Yeah, they've got from the shoulders up. Hungry. Yeah, they, I think it's also part of it is just. I don't know if it's the way the actress was doing it, it or if it's... 
because... No, it's because you and I are both tainted by Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. <laughs> and Steve. Well, what I mean by that is, like, there's something about it that just feels silly. Not just because of Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, but because it's just... I'm picturing, like, an adult person from across the room going, Hungry! You're picturing me from across the room. <laughs> but I haven't you. made dinner yet. <laughs> Me pointing at my gaping maw saying, hungry. I think that's kind of what it is. It's just like someone go, like pointing at their mouth and going, ah, ah. Well, because it's also having to do with the pitch because it wasn't like a deep guttural, like hungry. Yeah. It was hungry. <laughs> Feed me. It's just very silly. But I'm also trying to think of if there is anything else she could have said to accentuate that and to say that she was hungry that wouldn't be so silly wouldn't just be her going i hungry mm, ah. does anyone have any delicious brains i could eat i'm hungry because even if she said i hunger no i will feed okay that's a little more menacing yeah, i must feed uh one more one more i must food oh, that's worse oh, you're right you're just changing the pitch i shall consume Ooh. Yes. Satiate me. Yeah. But yeah, just the word hungry. Yeah, just something about yelling the word hung- hungry. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just, it's it's too soft a word for a hungry. villain. Hungry. It's too soft a word for a villain. It's gotta be hunger. hunger. I hunger. Well, because you could really hang on the R in that, though. Yeah. Arr, I, think the, I think it's the E. E. <laughs> but also just the image of somebody going, hunger. <laughs> And then, uh, but the wire's ultimate plan is to put a house in every, in as many homes as possible during the coronation. A house in every home? Yeah, a house in every home and a chicken in every pot. Uh, or at least in as many homes as possible for the coronation. And then... A TV. A TV in every home. Not a house in every home. As, oh, Jesus Christ. You didn't catch on to that. Didn't catch on to it. Sir. Oh my God, a TV in every home, or at least as many homes as possible. Oh my gosh, my brain. Sir. I think my brain got fed on today too. Hey, Zach. Mm. The, I don't know where this boat was going to go. <laughs> a house, house in every in home. home. Yep. Jesus Christ. Anyway, uh, a, a TV, TV in every home, home uh, or at least as many homes as possible. possible. And, and then, then to, to have her essence taken... taken to the uh, TV broadcast tower so that she can feed on all those TVs. Which I I did like. I like the idea. I'm a little confused as to why she needed the TV station. Yeah. Because it seemed like she was being taken. She was uh, like a part of her was taken to every TV anyway. That's how she fed on grandma. Yes. And also why she happened to land, I suppose, in Magpie's, Magpie's particular shop. Yes. Because I don't... I didn't dislike her being put on the portable television. Mm-hmm. It's a little silly. But also that I've been scratching my brain about why it was so important for her to go to the TV station when she could have just gone to the TV station from the get-go. Yeah, I... I can only assume that there had to have been some sort of like, I didn't mean to land here. I was trying to land there, but the best I could do was land near there. And now you have to take me there. Like, yeah, I don't, I, I understand the hang up, but I also, I, I don't think it's super relevant. It's petty. Yeah. It's one of those where it's like that. 
you have like it had to do it this way because otherwise there would be no story. Genuinely, it's me just trying to find something to be angry about, but yeah. it it super doesn't matter. Yeah, but uh, you know, especially after the last few episodes have been kind of cl- have been kind of duds. I think this is a pretty good one. We are skipping over my favorite part of this oh. whole episode, though. Oh, we are. Sorry, go on. Is the fact that the doctor is able to then put her inside of a Betamax. <laughs> that That's is right. so fucking silly. <laughs> and the only way, the way that he says that he's going to get rid of her is simply by taping over her. That's hilarious. <laughs> God, just oh my God. an episode of EastEnders where a supervillain used to be. Uh, and, and... The very ending of the show, where we see Rita handing Eddie a a, su- a single suitcase. That's all of his clothes, I guess. <laughs> he keeps all of his pens in there. The pen. Remember when he walked in in the very beginning of the episode? He's got a, he's in a suit. And he's got like a whole like chest of pens. I thought that that was supposed to emulate his army status. Yeah, I, bl- I think it's a mil- I think it's a military badge. But it's just huge. Like it takes up what feels like a fourth of his shirt. So I'm assuming that that's why he that's what's in his suitcase is just, just his 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 military pens. His elaborate collection of pens. <laughs> um, but then you see him walking down the street, and Tommy effectively says, "Good riddance." Yeah. But in that moment, Rose says, "He's your dad. Go to him." Rose is very pro dad. Yeah, because there's a part where it's like. You don't have to do anything, Tommy. Your dad sucks. Yeah. <laughs> don't listen to them. Your dad can fuck off. <laughs> Go to him. Save your dad. Yeah, that seems to be... I mean, I get it. There is a part of me that that appreciates the, like, you've saved the world, you can save your dad. That sort of mentality. But there's also a part of me where it's like, he, like it's not just that he was kind of mean. He talked about beating him. <laughs> Like, you don't necessarily need to be kind to people that have physically assaulted you. Particularly in the same day. Yes. It's, Mere it's, hours after being threatened. Yes. Uh, this is either the same day or maybe the next day at best. Oh, it's the same day. Rita's wearing the exact same oh, dress. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Um, it's the party. I don't know how qu- like how they were able to set up so many tables <laughs> so fast and string flags and... Uh, Penance? Pendants? Penance. Yeah, penance. Penance. Yeah. P-E-N-A-N-T-S. Okay, because for me, penance is uh, going into a closet and having a priest tell you to say five Hail Marys yeah, and no, de- all of your s- sins are forgiven. Spelled differently. Penance. Yeah. Um, Pen- penance. What's so funny? <laughs> penance. Penance. <laughs> Silly joke. I do like Rose having a a pro dad stance. Yeah, it fits for her character, especially as someone who cannot chase after her dad, except for except for when they happen to fall between timelines. Yeah, and in that particular timeline, she was a dog. <laughs> well, you remember that much at least. Yeah. Well, let's see uh, how we feel about this next episode because these next ones are going on are uh, we're going on another two parter here. Um, and it was these, this two part we're coming up on was one of my f- favorite stories for a long, long time. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know if I should say a long, long time because it's my favorite one of this season for sure. And I don't know that anything, well, 
and it's I like it more than most of season three, but it is also very personal. The reasons why, because it just it hits a little nugget that I like. So we'll uh, we will talk about that nugget uh, next time on the next episode of Who Is My Doctor. Zach, I don't want to hit any of your nuggets though. <laughs> don't don't touch my nuggets. I don't want to. <laughs> that sounds like it would hurt. <laughs> No, leave my nuggets alone. Uh, I don't. I'm not even looking at them. All right. Well, I'll let you look at one of the nuggets on the next episode Please of Who don't. Is My Doctor. I don't want to see any of your nuggets next time on Who Is My Doctor. Who Who, who is indeed? No, that's... That, we skipped over my line. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sound of something ending. Specifically, this episode of this podcast. Before we really wrap things up, though, be sure to give us a like or five stars or whatever you think might help us with the almighty algorithm. If you'd like, you could follow us on Twitter, Blue Sky Threads, or Instagram at WimdyPod. That's W-I-M-D-P-O-D. I know the echo was a little rough this episode. I'm trying a few different things to get it properly worked out, so hopefully it won't be a problem for too much longer. What might be a problem is that next week we're going to hell! Or the show's going to hell in the Impossible Planet and the Satan Pit two-parter. That's the next episode. So bring your rosary with you next Tuesday, because your Tuesdays are now Whose Days.